Okay, sorry about that. Um, so I was going to, I, we had talked about in a planning meeting today or earlier this week that I would come out of here like, um, and, and start to like put on the shoes and change my sweater like Mr. Rogers does. Anybody familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah, and, and first of all, I was like, no, I just can't do it, not, not, not at all. But also, I just don't have time, right? Like that. So we work really hard every week as we're planning our services to do um, like 65-minute services. And so every minute of something that we spend doing here, doing something funny, doing something crazy, um, takes time, and it, and it takes time, and it, and it extends it. So 65-minute services, that's our goal. So sometimes you just don't have time to do the things that you really want to do. Do you ever feel that way? That you've got a long list of stuff, but you're hurried, you're rushed, and you've got today a number of things on your schedule or a number of, of reminders set on your phone, a number of things on your calendar that are going to start chiming and going to start just entering into your mind as soon as you woke up this morning. I'm sure if we surveyed everybody in the room and we asked you, everybody in this room, everybody on, online today, everybody at our Coleraine campus, if we just sur surveyed everyone and said, what's something that you want more of? Name one thing you want more of. Most of us would say time. It's time. Now, some of us would probably say also money would be great, all right? More money would be great, but more time would win, I'm really glad you're here with us today. My name's Nathan Hinkle. I'm the lead pastor here at White Oak, and it's really good to be here with you. If you're a guest joining us, welcome. Glad you're here with us. If you're watching online and joining us online, we're really glad that you're joining with us as well. Um, we're, we're jumping in to, to this topic today because the truth is we only have 24 hours in a day. And it just doesn't seem like enough. Now, the thing about money is, if you were to answer, I want more money, the truth is there are ways to get more money, okay? You could, you could get a second job. You could, ask for, you could work towards a promotion or ask for, for a raise. You could invest your money. And so there is, for, for many of us, there are some ways, it wouldn't be easy, but there are some ways that you can gain money. But you don't get any more time. There's not a talented person in this room that can get more time. And the hard thing about time is we don't even, not only can you not get more of it, you don't even know how much you have left of it. There's no guarantee of that either. We just know one thing about time. There's one thing about time that is true for all of us, and that is it's limited. It's limited. There's a physicist who once said this, and I would see if this resonates with you. He said, time is our most valuable, non-renewable resource. And if we want to treat it with respect, we need to set priorities. William Penn said this, time is what we want most, but what we use worse. So our culture is defined by hurry. Like just running through the door, running out the door to the next thing. What's kind of ironic about that is, you know, we, we all as a culture are coming out of uh, what was, a, a, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago where, like, there wasn't anybody in a hurry, right? Everybody, everything was closed. You were in your house. And do you remember, uh, some of us probably don't. That probably seems like a lifetime ago. Do you remember what happened during that time when nobody was in a hurry to get anywhere? I mean, there were people that, like, started pulling out board games out of their closets, they're like, what is this thing? 
There were people that sat down and watched movies as a family. We did. We played cards. We watched movies as a family. You would go outside, and there had never been more people in my neighborhood going for walks. I mean, there were people that I'm like, I've never seen you before in my life. And, 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 and they're walking around the neighborhood. People, kids were playing outside. Like nobody was in a hurry to do anything. But then things reopened, right? Things started coming back. And of course, I'm so excited about that, right? But it was like somebody flipped a switch on. And we went from like nobody was in a hurry anymore to like how can we cram everything we once did back into the schedule, and suddenly, I'm not seeing people walk the neighborhood anymore. I don't see a lot of kids on the weekends who have the free time to play in the yard because we're in a hurry. We're busy. And the truth is, we were sucked right back into what felt normal and what felt comfortable, and that was hurried. So today's message, we're going to continue this neighbor series. We're going to talk today about creating margin in your life, creating margin in your life so that you and I can be good neighbors. So this is our big idea for today. Replace your full schedule with full relationships. Replace your full schedule with full relationships. And I'm gonna ask you to write that down or, or, or take a picture of the screen if you're online with us or maybe you're, you're watching this uh, later this week or listening to it on your way to work when you can stop safely. Um, write that down on your phone so that you can remember this, all right? Replace your full schedule with full relationships. If you want to be a good neighbor, and I think all of us really do want to be, we want to say that we're not, not just good neighbors, but I want to be a great neighbor, then it's going to take time. It's going to take time for you and I to be good neighbors. And we have to have the space in our life. Here's the thing. I, you can want something all day long, but unless you and I create space and margin to make it happen, to make room for other people, it's not going to happen. So Luke um, wrote this narrative of Jesus's life in the Bible, all right? And, and, I, and if you were here last week, um, let me just share this with you. Luke actually didn't know Jesus personally, but Luke did spend a lot of time with John. He spent a lot of time with Peter. He spent a lot of time with Paul. He spent a lot of time with people who learned from Jesus to live like Jesus and knew Jesus personally. And so Luke sat down as a historian, as a writer, and he wrote a narrative of Jesus's life. And before we jump into the, the story that we're going to read today, I want to point out something to you that Luke does in Luke chapter 10. Well, he's going to do it throughout, but it's specifically in Luke chapter 10, all right? Because sometimes when we jump into the Bible and we start reading it, we kind of just um, can take things in, in chunks and, and say, oh, that's an interesting story, or that's an interesting phrase, or that's a pretty cool saying, but we really kind of lose the whole, all right? So what I want to show you today is, is Luke chapter 10, there, there's this sequential thing happening, and Luke's trying to make a point about something that was very, very important to Jesus, all right? In, in the first part of Luke chapter 10, he opens up by sending out 72 of his followers. So Jesus' fame, right, has grown, his impact had grown at this time. And so he's got lots of people following him, right? So he gathers 72 people, and he, and he says, I want you to go out. I want you to go out into the surrounding communities and the surrounding villages and towns, and I want you to announce to everyone you see that I'm coming, that I've arrived, right? And I want you to say this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
That was the message. Go and tell everybody you see in your neighborhood. Go tell everybody that you see and you bump into in a day. Go tell them that the kingdom of God is near to you. Something that you've needed and wanted and waiting for is near. So you continue on to Luke chapter, you continue on in the chapter, the very next story is a story that we know as the Good Samaritan. Anybody ever heard that phrase? The Good Samaritan. It's like the quintessential um, how to love your neighbor story that Jesus tells, all right? And now we talked about the Good Samaritan in the very first week of this series. So I encourage you to, if you missed that, you can go back on, on our website. You could go to our YouTube channel. YouTube channel. You can uh, watch that. You can listen to that. So go back and listen to that on the Good Samaritan. All right. So Jesus has sent out 72 of his followers into the communities to go and say, the kingdom of God is near to you. And then he tells a story about what it really looks like to love your neighbor practically. And then we come to this third story where he's, Jesus is invited into the home of Mary and Martha. And I want to share that with you, that how all three of these stories do not stand alone as just random thoughts that Luke said, oh, and I remember this thing, and I'll write that down for them, that they actually are intertwined. They actually connect. That from one story to the next to the next, what we see Luke doing is say, do you see? Do you see this? Jesus is showing us how much God cares for people, how much God's heart desires people to know that they're loved. And so he fits in these stories that shows us that God's got a purpose for the things that he does, that Jesus was very intentional, and he wants us to know how loved we are by our Heavenly Father and how our relationships with one another spread that truth, okay? God wants to use us in his story, and we've said this all along, God wants to use you and me in his story, connecting other people back to full life in Jesus. You and I are part of that narrative. So let's look at this um, in context here. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. There's a great app that, that a lot of us use around here. Um, find me afterwards. I'll show you a Bible app that I really love. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great one, very practical, very user-friendly. If you're here with us in person today we, at the Hub, we have free Bibles for you. So please let's grab one of those on your way out. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. You can follow along starting in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So something that you need to know about Jesus is prior to his public ministry starting, when he was about 30 years old, so he kind of got a late start to his ministry career, all right, he was, conceivably, he was doing the work of his earthly father. He was a carpenter. And so Jesus would have been earning a living, most likely as a carpenter, up until about 30 years old when he starts his public ministry. So he had some means, but very little. So what you find out from just these little clues throughout the stories of Jesus's life is that Jesus had people who supported him financially. 
They were people who traveled with him. They were people who were living in villages and towns kind of along the route that he would travel and go back and forth to. So, so there were these people who would offer him shelter. They would pay for some of his living expenses and his food and as well as with his disciples. Well, Martha clearly is one of these people. She's a friend of Jesus. She's a follower, but she also may be a benefactor. She also may be somebody who opens her home to Jesus to support his ministry. All right. So verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And look at the next verse. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to get up and help me. So clearly she's pretty close to Jesus, right? They're very comfortable with that. She's like, my lazy butt sister's not doing anything. Tell her to help me. All right, now this might trigger some of you. I understand this, all right? This may be like, like are you sure that came from the Bible? Because I'm pretty sure that just happened yesterday in your house, all right? And I get that, I get that. If you've ever hosted company over to your house, if you've ever been preparing your house to have people over, and you've attempted to recruit the help of a friend maybe to come over, or maybe your spouse, or God forbid if you're desperate enough to ask your kids to help, um, you, you know this is challenging, you know this is challenging. So something that's very familiar in our home is we're just trying to clean up the main floor. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't, sometimes I don't care what your bedroom looks like. I do, but sometimes I don't. I let that go. Like the basement, yeah, whatever. But like the main floor, like help, help mom and I out, guys. And so, so what Denise and I do, my, my, my wife and I, is we'll just take everything that's like one kid's and we're just going to pile it right on the floor in the entryway like right in the middle of the floor. And there'll be three distinct piles of their stuff. Sometimes there's a secondary pile literally on the stairs going upstairs to the bedrooms. Like you, like you, you would trip and fall down the stairs if you're not careful. We're like, certainly they'll see their pile and they'll clean up. No, no, no. That pile is stepped over for days. All right, because, because they're just, you, it, it's like this blindness that, that, that occurs. So, so sometimes when you're trying to clean up, all you want, I mean, all you want is just a little bit of help, right? Because somebody's left preparing, cooking, cleaning, and you just need a little bit of help. So, so Martha's trying to be a good host here, all right? Martha's like, okay, if Jesus is coming over, all right, I'm gonna, there's a few things I got to prepare. I want to cook something really good for him. I want to make sure things are clean, things are tidy. I don't want like underwear left hanging out all over the place. Like we want to make sure things look good. However, Mary, her sister, who should have been helping her do all these things, is just sitting in the living room, just like, just leaning in, <laughs> listening to Jesus's every word as he's teaching the, 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 the members of the household that night. She's just soaking it in. So Jesus' response to Martha may, may surprise you, maybe not, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So here's one important thing that's happening here, all right? Really important thing that's happening in this story. Martha and Mary are in the presence of Jesus and Martha is missing it. She's missing it. And if you and I aren't careful, we might be missing it too. We have to replace our full schedules 
with full relationships. So this story reminds us of something that's really important. And that is our presence is more valuable than our perfection. Our presence, your presence in relationship is more valuable than perfection. Because I know, I know some of us stress and worry about things, all right? Someone's coming over or we're talking about a relationship. We, we don't even, some of us don't even want people in our houses because we don't want them to see the clutter. We don't want them to see the mess. If you've ever had somebody over to your house, like sometimes, especially for, for kids, like, like those six hours before someone comes over are the most combative, awful hours of the week, all right? Because everything's got to look perfect, doesn't it? You don't want people to know that you receive mail, right? <laughs> you don't want people to know that you have laundry. You want people to think that you live in a pristine bubble that where, where there's not a speck of dust anywhere, there's not a piece of paper everywhere, and the, and the pillows are neatly fluffed on the couch, right? Because that, that's what we want, to, we want people to say, hey, these people have their stuff together. I don't know. How, they must have a P.O. box because there's not a piece of paper <laughs> anywhere, all right? So that, that, that's because we, we don't want people to see the mess, the clutter. We, don't want, we want to give them this, this, like, this perfect view. We want to show them the best side of us. And I get that. I get that. But that's what we do. That's what we do. Very few of us actually, I think anymore, that you and I, have, we struggle with actually just even living in the moment. We struggle just even taking in the moment when we're with other people. Because there's some of us, and I, and I saw this yesterday when, when I was at this... Um, at this like pumpkin patch thing, like some of us are only see life now happening through this. Like, you're, like we don't even take in the moment because we're so obsessed with like posting about the moment later. And, we, and we're missing it. We're missing relational connection because when we're in relationship, all we can think about is how we can post a great picture about the relationship or we're, we're obsessing about how we are appearing in the midst of the relationship. Like, oh, well, like, how do I look? Or how are they perceiving the things that I said? Or did I wear the right thing? Like, we're so consumed with certain things that we actually aren't even enjoying the moments anymore. We keep our calendars really full and our relationships really shallow. Because the truth is, in our hurried American culture, we don't have time to do anything, anything else. And our relationship with God actually is impacted by the same thing. So we don't have time often for relationships in the faith community. We just don't make time for it. We don't have to, to, to carve out another hour or a 90 minutes to, to spend with people outside of a, of a church you know, Sunday morning setting. That, that takes time, and most of us don't have it. And I'll tell you something else. Here at White Oak, we, we are working really hard in our atmospheres, both in our buildings at our in-person gatherings, on our online experience, you know, to, to allow people to stream or to watch this later, and we're so glad that you're doing that with us. We work really hard to make that happen, but often we really will just prefer the easier route, and that is anonymity. We just want to remain anonymous, just kind of blend in, Right? Many of us know what it's like to pay God a visit once a week. I think most of us can kind of understand that, you know, once a week or once every few weeks or once a month. But, but many of us still don't know what it means to, to abide in Jesus. That, that word abide means just to spend time with, 
soaking him in, reading his word, and, and listening to his voice, learning what that voice sounds like, and abiding, just being with Jesus, is a practice a lot of us have never, never experienced. We've never done it. We've never had it. We don't have time. And, and, then, and then there's a portion of us that we're not even sure that we want God to see the mess. Like, if, like, like you're fluffing pillows before you come into church, right? You're fluffing pillows and you're shoving mail into the laundry room and closing the door. Because we're not sure, in fact, we're pretty sure that God doesn't want to see your mess. He, don't want, he doesn't want to see what's going on. He doesn't want to know what you, what you think about or what you're looking at when no one else is around like, you don't want him to know how you treat people or talk to people at school or out on the, on the soccer field or when you're at work. Like, it's safer to stay occupied elsewhere or else God or others may see the mess and then what would happen? So this is how we often approach faith. It's better to stay busy than to stay connected. It's just better, it's easier to stay busy than to stay connected. But, but here's the great thing. Jesus, all right, because our, our Heavenly Father loves us so much, he shows us a better way. He shows us a fuller way to live. To really love people, to really connect with our neighbors, because that's what we're talking about, to really, to really love people, to really connect with our neighbors, we have to engage with them in the moment and in the mess, to really love our neighbors well, we have to be willing to engage with them in the moment and in the mess. So Jesus is saying to Martha something that he might just be saying to you and me. Pull up a seat, slow down, and soak in the relationship. Pull up a seat, slow down, Nathan, and soak in the relationship. So let's talk here for a couple minutes about creating space. Like what could that look like for you and me to create space in our life and in our schedules to love people well? Because the truth is we've got a lot to learn in this area, don't we? And we, we do, we do, or else we probably wouldn't be talking about this topic. So let's do this and write this one down. It's intentional. You have to be intentional. Again, if you're listening, watching this later, you can, or, or watching it now, write this down. Grab a piece of paper at home. Write this down. Write it in the margins of your Bible. Or stop if you're listening to this on the way to work sometime and when it's safe. Write this one down. It's intentional. Okay, walking through the door of good neighboring means that it's done intentionally. So if we want to create room to go deeper in our relationships then you're going to have to do it on purpose, right? Because good, deep, meaningful relationships that connect you to someone's heart and ultimately connects them to the full life in Jesus that God wants for them, it's done on purpose. It means you and I today, even with the swirling list of things you've got going on this afternoon in your head right now, all right, you and I have to make a decision today to do an honest evaluation and figure out in your life the next thing that you need to say no to. Because there's something that's true, but we don't play as if it's true. Is your schedule and mine are already pretty busy. Okay, that's a crown of achievement in our culture is that we're hurried and busy, and that makes us feel important. The truth is it just makes us very disconnected. So, 
here's what you have to do. You have to say, what am I saying no to this week? Because you've got to create margin. Margin, hear me, margin doesn't happen on accident. You don't trip and fall into margin, all right? Margin has to be sought out, and it comes by you saying no to something, even something good for something better, all right? So you have to create, something's got to come off your plate if you're going to add intentional, deeper relationships onto your plate, you, right? That, that just, that makes sense, doesn't it, all right? So when I think about being intentional, I think about that you've got to have a goal. You've got to have, you and I have to have a plan. I remember when I first, my freshman year in college, um, I decided I was going to start going to the gym. Like I had never done that before, but I'm going to do it, I said. So, so I went to the gym. I didn't have a plan, right? So I'm just like, okay, there's a bunch of machines there and weights, and I'm just going to lift things, right? And, and, and so that's what I started doing. I just started going. I started lifting things, pushing things, pulling things, um, and, and, and a lot of it was like just watching other guys in the gym, like, okay, so how is he using that machine? Because I have no clue what to do on that contraption, all right? Like, oh, that's how. So, so you know, you kind of learn from other people. And I did that. Now, I learned some really bad habits for doing that too, because you don't realize that the guys you're watching on those machines aren't doing them right, all right? So you learn some bad habits in the gym if you don't go with the plan. So eventually, I started going to the gym with a goal in mind, with a plan, like I'm gonna, I wrote it out. I actually wrote out step by step which exercises, which five or six exercises I was going to do, how many sets I was going to do, how many reps I was going to do, and I would like check this box, all right, every time I did. And before long, where I worked out for like, you know, 20 years, and I was like, yeah, kind of like minimal, kind of like, you know, gains, like those last five years when I started going with the plan, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to notice some gains here because there was a plan. So what if you did neighboring just like that? What if you and I approached relationships just like that? Because the truth is, we have picked up a lot of bad habits about neighboring, haven't we? I don't know who you've been watching do it, but there's a chance that they're not doing it right sometimes. We've picked up bad habits on on, on laziness, on being unintentional, on being selfish, Right? Being, uh, being distracted. Like you've picked up on, on habits like that for neighboring. Okay? But if it's my goal to be a good neighbor, then I need to ask myself, what's my plan? So here's a couple quick things for your plan, real quick, because this is just what Jesus did. Because as, as followers of Jesus, and, and I don't know if you are, some of you, some of you are, some of us aren't, some of you watching online or listening are, some of us aren't following Jesus right now. And I'm just glad that we're all here having this conversation. But my goal as a follower of Jesus is to learn from him to be like him. Okay, that's, that's the point, all right? So Jesus looked at people's needs and he engaged people's needs. So if you want to be a good neighbor on purpose and have a plan, then have a plan to look around you and see where people have needs and how can you engage and meet those needs. They could be financial, they could be physical, they could be emotional, they could be relational needs, they could be in, you know, any of those needs that people have that you notice, you've got to be in tune to it, make a plan to go and meet them, because that's what, our, that's what our, 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 our Savior did, all right? Here's another one. Jesus looked at the deeper need behind what was on the outside, and you can do that too. So look at the people that you interact with on a daily or weekly basis. It's going to be super easy to see the surface stuff. Maybe they're sick, maybe they're busy, they're definitely busy, okay? Um, maybe they're this, maybe they're that, maybe they're going through something that's just kind of, you've caught wind of it, they've kind of made a comment, maybe you've never asked a deeper question of people that you would call your closer, closest friends other than how are you doing today, all right? 
which is a fine question if you want to forever stay disconnected, <laughs> all right? So, so you go, Jesus always went a step deeper behind the visible stuff going on, okay, so that he could open up the conversation about how his father can speak in to their deeper heart issues. And we can do that. You can do that. That's what, our, that's what Jesus did. Jesus was available and attentive. All right, that was simply put. He was available. When people came, he responded. When he saw people, he went to them. All right, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't always talking about himself. He wasn't always promoting his agenda. He wasn't always puffing himself up. He was always on the lookout for how he could impact the life of someone else. So that's how you make a plan. You make a plan. You have a goal. What physical needs of people in my life can I meet this week? What one deeper question can I probe in my friend or, or in my person that's in a life group with me at church or somebody that's in my family? What one deeper question can probe behind the surface into something deeper? Make a plan and go with the plan. Now, it's intentional, but also being a good neighbor and making margin in your life means it's also organic. So that this is a little frustrating, all right? Because that walking through the door of good neighboring, if you want to step through that door, means that you've got to allow for organic interaction. Now, I know that those two may seem like, um, what's just like, uh, like the opposites, right? I mean, like, how can it be intentional and organic? The answer is yes, all right? It can, right? Because to create space in your life to go deeper into relationships, sometimes your plan doesn't work. Sometimes you forget the plan. And sometimes you need to allow for it to happen, right? You can't, sometimes relational connection with people, you can't force it. You can't map that out. I can write out my workout before I go to the gym, but guess what? If there's somebody that's on that machine that I need for like 45 minutes straight, and I just want to take a dumbbell and um, lift it instead, all right? All right, you, 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 you got to change the plan. So sometimes the plan doesn't work. So organic interaction, you've got to allow for it. You got to be looking for it. And it doesn't have to be scripted or scheduled. It can look like this. I'm at the end of my driveway getting my mail and my neighbor's out. What do you do? It can happen in a lawn chair while you're watching your grandkids or your kids practice or play on the field. There's people sitting on either side of you. What do you do? It can happen on the ride to school with a friend. What do you talk about? Some of my most fruitful conversations have not been in this room or in a lobby of a church somewhere. Sometimes the most, the, 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 the most spiritual conversations I've had have been at the gym or at a coffee shop. And I've met people at a coffee shop that, that I, one of my friends um, who's here today, uh, we probably met at a coffee shop up here at Starbucks, I don't even know, seven years ago, um, and, and just started talking. And we would talk every week, and we would talk and have coffee and, and talk and talk about life and stuff and family and health. And, and inevitably, you know, what I do for a living ultimately comes up, though I try to like, keep it under wraps as long as possible so that people don't get up and leave. Um, so, so eventually I had to say, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor, like, you know, 
And, um, but, but he stayed. He didn't get up and leave or throw coffee in my face. And so we just built a relationship, a friendship. It was organic. Like there was no planned conversation. It just happened. And Jesus was in the middle of it. So while it's important to have a goal, you have to create space. You have to be available for opportunities. Here's the key. You and I have to be available for opportunities to love for, care for people, and listen to people. And that takes you being attentive and available. Jesus was intentional. Jesus was always intentional, but he also allowed for the organic stuff. Jesus sometimes approached people, and sometimes Jesus waited for them to approach him. Jesus was always in the crowd looking for an opportunity to go deeper. Do you see that? Do you understand that? Replace your full schedule with full relationships. And it comes down to this question. Are you willing to ruthlessly eliminate hurry so that you can intentionally go after people? That's the question. Are you willing to ruthlessly eliminate hurry so that you can intentionally go after people. You gotta search your heart. You gotta probe your heart on that one. Put it another way like this. Are you an available person? Would people say about you, man, Nathan, like, he's just really available. I feel like he's there if you need something. He's there if you need to talk. He's there when you just need somebody to listen. Like, he's there to, to lend a helping hand. Like, would people say that about you? I don't know if they would say it about me. Are you an available person? When someone needs someone, are you their someone? It's not, a, it's not easy to answer. But Jesus never seemed to be in a hurry. Like Jesus, he never seemed to be in a hurry. He, the world was waiting for a savior. And like literally life and death hung in the balance. And Jesus never seemed to be in a rush. He traveled from town to town, village to village, visiting homes, loving and teaching deliberately people on the street, healing people, loving people, broken people, rejected people, sinful people, taking the time to do and to meet every need that he saw. Okay? Anybody who asked for his time, guess what? He gave it to them. But he was, so he was never in a hurry. He, he would take time just to go up on a mountain somewhere or just go out by the lake and just connect with his father and recoup. His disciples were so irritated by that. His disciples were constantly saying, when are you going to show yourself? When are you going to do something big? When are you going to make yourself known? When are you going to take the throne? Come on, Jesus, let's get this thing done. But Jesus always had to remind them of his mission, and he was never in a rush about it. He taught people that God loves them like crazy, and that in turn, they should love their neighbors in the same way. He didn't intend to start a religion. He intended to start a relationship, and that's what he did. A relationship that had a lasting freedom that we got to connect with our Heavenly Father. We got to be with Him forever. And His venue wasn't like the Colosseum. It wasn't a big amphitheater. It wasn't the city square. It was like small venues. It was in a boat. It was in a village. It was in a a synagogue. And it was on a crude and bloody cross. All for the sake of people. So when I think about making time, I have to remember that I have a God who made time for me. 
that I serve a God that always makes time for me. He always makes time for me in my mess. He always makes time for me when I screw things up. He always makes time for me when I'm selfish. He always makes time and leaves margin when I have doubts and questions. God always has made room and margin and space in his life when I have crowded mine with busy schedules and and, and screwed up priorities. He's patient with me. He creates space to hear from me, and then he begs me to create the space to hear back from him. And that's what he does for you too. You have a father in heaven who's crazy about you and creates space and time and margin to be all that you need him to be. And if you would like to hear more about what full life in Jesus looks like, if you would like to hear more about that, I would t- email me. Email me today. Get at your phone. Do it right now. Email me this week. I would love to talk to you and reach out to you, and, and, and we'll find out a little bit more about what questions or thoughts you have. And I would tell you, next week, next week, October 24th, we are going to be celebrating baptisms here. Baptism is, well, let me tell you what it says in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that we, in or, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So baptism in the New Testament of the Bible was our willingness to take our faith, put feet to it, surrender our old life, be washed in Jesus' grace, and raise again to new one. And we're going to celebrate, we're going to have a party here next Sunday. There's going to be, I think there might be cake. There's going to be cake. There's going to be cake, all right? There's going to be cake, all right? Because we're going to celebrate those who have made that decision and those who are making that decision next week. I'll tell you what, the only thing that Jesus has ever been in a hurry for that I can tell is he's in a hurry for you to get to know him and how much he loves you. So I'm asking you this week, would you walk through the door with me and being a great neighbor? Make a plan. Be available. And let's start replacing our full schedules with full relationships. Would you pray with me? God, you're better than I deserve. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for taking the time to call to me, to rescue me, to walk with me, to give me everything that I need. Father, by the power of your spirit, open every heart who's listening and watching now. Open every heart who's present in this room now. Fill us, Father, with your spirit. Prompt us to create the margin and the space to say no to some things so that we can say yes to better things and people and you. I love you. Amen.